Hello and welcome to the Create with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Hutton. I'm a business coach and a virtual assistant, and I am on a mission to help you create a life by your own design. I want to inspire and empower you to transform not only your bank account, but your life from the inside out. Inside the Create with Confidence podcast, we will dive into all things creating a career online. From mindset to marketing, you'll hear thought-provoking stories and conversations that will make you feel seen, that will challenge you and give you ideas, inspiration, and strategies around building a business, social media, confidence, sales, self-belief, content creation, working with clients, and so much more. I want you to leave this podcast with the strategy around how to create a life-first business and lifestyle, the mindset that will help you believe that your biggest dreams are possible for you, and the confidence so that you can take those action steps and make it a reality for you. Welcome to the podcast. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Create With Confidence podcast and welcome to the very last episode of season one. I can't believe that I have done 45 episodes. I mean, technically it's 44, but because we're splitting this one up, I'm just calling us 45. This week we are picking up right where we left off. I know last week was a little bit of an abrupt ending. So this week we're carrying on the conversation. We pick up right where we left off. So if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go back because it doesn't really make sense to listen to part two unless you've listened to part one. <laughs> last week we spoke obviously about coming up with the idea of like how we were going to do it and working out the logistics of taking a big risk and building the inner self-trust to do it. This week, it's all about what our lives look like now. It's the transformation. It's, you know, this final part of the journey and how we've readjusted to what life looks like now and building out a support team, a welfare team, how our friendships have changed, how we form new friendships, new relationships with ourselves and others. It's very much about the transformation. And I feel like it is the perfect way to finish off season one because I started this podcast with a dream of helping people transform their lives from the inside out, building the inner confidence. You know, it's called the Create With Confidence podcast. And for me, my self-discovery journey of moving overseas and living out my life over there and my dreams over there really was the start of that journey for me. And so I hope this week's episode and last week's episode, because it's kind of the same, same, Hopefully it inspires you to go out there and to start creating with confidence, to start tapping into intuition. And if you haven't gone on a self-discovery journey, if you haven't you know, done your own surrender experiment, maybe this is a sign that while we are breaking for the end of season one, before we get back into season two, bigger and better than ever, use that time as a chance to maybe go on your own self-discovery journey, whether that's, you know, traveling as well or whatever that looks like to you. I hope you lean into it and to really tap into that because you really can transform your life from the inside out if you allow yourself to get really clear on what you want and to start building it from the inside out. So let's get right into it. And I just want to say thank you so, so much for being here over the last 45 episodes. And if you do have any guests that you want, on for next season please let me know i will still be here behind the scenes i will still be on instagram so you can dm me you can reach out to me over there i've been loving hearing everything that you've been loving about the season i've been loving seeing your reviews and your messages it all does mean the world to me because at the end of the day you're the reason i started this podcast so i just want to say thank you so much again and i look forward to chatting with you again in season two so going back to then once you were over there and then the fear of coming back I have, it took me so long to actually come back to reality because I was living overseas for 10 months. So my family had gotten very used to being without me there all the time. And I did not love it. 
it was one of the main reasons actually when I came back as to why I moved out is because my whole family dynamic had changed. I was living with my family at the time. And when I moved, my brother stole my bedroom. We didn't really steal it, but he moved into my bedroom. And the deal was that I could have it back when I came back. And then that didn't happen. And so when I came back, it took a lot of readjusting to get back to having a good relationship with my family. And that was like such an unexpected twist <laughs> in my journey, I want to say, because I I honestly hadn't really thought that would be any different when I got back. I thought like everything would just go back, but I was a very different person when I came back and they hadn't changed that much. And so when you do a lot of inner work, there's sometimes some friction. <laughs> so t- yeah. talk me through that fear and then what that actually looked like when you did get back. Yeah, I think I experienced it in a way, I wouldn't say I I was worried about anything other than where I was going to live. Honestly, that was it. For me, I was just like, what's next? And it's just figuring out where I'm going to sleep. Yeah. And I think as all of that was unfolding, I realized that yeah, there is a lot of things that I have a stronger opinion about or that I see so differently that I'm going to have to speak about because it matters to me. And sometimes I don't address things. I just let it be. But it comes from a place of it's not my responsibility. So like in Mm. friendship groups, some friendship circles, I won't cause a stir. I won't be like, everybody needs to be on this journey with me or Uh, that person's a bit this and that because that's me trying to force somebody to be on a journey they're not so sometimes I I do I tune in to my to that prompting and just ask myself what is the highest version of myself going to do in this moment other times if I feel really compelled to say something or to speak up about a certain topic I will because I think that's the purpose of that discovery to bring your discovery and your revelation and your embodiment of who you're meant to be into your spaces where you exist right now. And you don't know how long you're going to exist in these circles or be crossing paths with a certain person. I think my experience coming back was figuring out my kind of survival needs of settling in. And then came the waves of all this kind of emotional, mental opportunities to really embody that surrender and the things I'd learned through surrendering and there were things like for example my attachment to things and outcomes Mm. and results and I could have spent my entire month settling back in beating myself up about how I didn't set up an income stream and how I don't have a job and like my business isn't this or I could just come back and be like I've just had the most amazing time I'm going to detach from the expectation of what I think I need to be making or doing right now and just be in the transformation, the overflow of that experience. And I think where I almost lost myself was almost falling back into old patterns. And that's where I was using evidence of what I expected myself to look like at this point and where I was in the past and what I thought I I would have accomplished had I stuck to it. I was using that against myself and taking myself away from being present and continuing that surrender, even as I came back. And that's the whole point of it. I feel like the whole premise of doing like a surrender experiment trip or like a solo self-exploration thing is not so that you can just go and come back. 
it's literally mm-hmm. so you can affect an entire like domino series of the rest of your life of living in a different way, embodying who you are in a different way and completely just 1% at a time adjusting and pivoting everything that you once thought should be a certain way to the way it actually is. And something similar to you, you had your brother who like took your room. I had (laughs) my sister who was like, I'm taking your couch. I'm taking your TV or can I have this? And I, at the time, I remember receiving the first message and being like a little bit frustrated, but I was like, okay, fine. What am I going to do with it? I'm traveling anyway. And I was like, I don't need it right now. Yeah. I was like, I don't need it right now. I'll take it back later. Like I had still had attachment to things and a a picture of, I'm going to probably be doing this with it. And I need to hold on to everything. And then by the end of my trip, I'd probably received maybe five to six of those messages where she was asking, can I have your mugs? Where's your TV? Where's your this? And I realized like my attitude to it changed because all of a sudden when I had really practiced surrender and let surrender be who I was, my response was like, yeah, if I need it or if I need something like it, it will come to me or I will find a way to create it again. But for right now, for this exact moment, sure, you can have it because it was this detachment from like all things, the material possessions, it wasn't the most important thing anymore or how much, how hard I had worked to buy all these things that she wanted to now take that I wasn't getting to use. And then I was literally like, my mind was like the wear and tear on that. My Asian mind was like, she's depreciating the value. And I couldn't sell that instead of you taking it and just using it for free. Like it was just like, all of a sudden it didn't matter to me because I got clear on what I valued and was able to simultaneously practice detachment and surrender, even in those streams of of living. So there was all that. And, and I think integrating was so challenging in the sense of realizing that I didn't have a welfare team. <laughs> I talked to this with, uh, with another friend of mine where in Bali, I had all these connections, people who understood me, people who could speak my language, who could talk about human design and, and could challenge me. But coming back to a place where I didn't have healers or I didn't have friends who got it at this level, I was disoriented and I felt really lonely. But then I realized like maybe part of integrating here in this base of where I'm staying right now is creating that for myself, like seeking out just like I did in Bali, those people who are going to understand me and having that welfare team who understand like my needs and know how to connect with me and understand like what matters to me as well as me being able to reciprocate that to them. So I, I've started to build those connections. I've started going to yoga. I've started setting up appointments with people who practice this work and not playing that I'm lonely and nobody gets mm. me here. I want to go back. The thing is as well is you can be lonely here. Like it's just that it's everything's heightened when you're over there. And I want to go back to <laughs> what you said about like your family, like taking stuff and your attachment to it. I feel like when I came back, I was the, this has been so life-changing and I'm still a little bit like that. I'm like, it's so great. You've got to listen to me. And I feel like that's the projector in me. I want to guide people and help them. That's going back to my human design, but they're not ready for it and they don't want it. And so that's been a big part of my journey now, like over the last three years. And it's like an ongoing, like forever thing is learning that it's not my job to 
convince people and tell people why they need to do things and all of that kind of stuff. And that's where a lot of the friction comes from. A lot of the time we create it in like we created ourselves. And that was very much like my thing. My family didn't understand why I was acting the way that I was. And I couldn't understand why they hadn't changed when I had. And don't get me wrong. I have a great relationship with my family now. We, I'm going to see them tonight. We have dinners every week. And the thing is, your family dynamics will change over the years and they're supposed to. And it's because of things like this that may initially cause friction. If you learn how to and release the attachment of this is what it should be like. This is what is uh, possible for you if you want to do it. And just be open that if they want to learn about it, then you're there to help them. But you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So it's yeah. like being open to that, but not attached to it. And that was so, like... When you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I was so like, it needs to be this way. And I operate like that with everything. And I feel like sometimes that's why I made the decision to move overseas. Because I'm like, no, like, I have to do it. I'm going to do that. But if you Mm. release attachment around what that's actually going to look like, it makes your life so much easier. And in a way, I feel like I caused so many problems in high school because I was very much like that. I caused so much drama because I couldn't just let things go and I couldn't just be open to however it was going to happen. Like if you think of the opposite of surrender, it's control. And (laughs) that was me. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime you're going to create friction, resistance, drama, it's likely because you feel the need to control how something is how something happens, how someone acts in order to feel like you have a sense of power. But we we forget that there is like power and there's identity, there's confirmation of who we are also in the surrender and yeah. in the passiveness of allowing. And I think we live in a society that tells us that passive is bad and passive is unproductive. Passive is, it's not what's that word? It's not scalable, but it's in the passive that great things are made and created. Mm. So I do think we have to practice surrendering even in those ways that we don't think it's a time to surrender. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it is really hard. And I think like a great way to like flex that muscle and to really practice it is to, like you said, go on a solo trip. And that doesn't have to be like moving overseas for (laughs) <laughs> 10 months like I did doesn't have to be moving to Bali for how many months did you move three four three three yes. it could be going on like a weekend trip and I'm thinking about like how I used to plan my trips I used to be like day one we're doing this we're eating here we're saving mm-hmm. you and it's just it doesn't have to be that's so stressful now on the journey that I've been on now where I am able to like let go oh my voice <clears throat> sorry where I am able to let go a little bit more that is so stressful operating like that and we operate like that in our day-to-day life, we have to yeah. do this, I need to do this, I need to do that. And we get so just caught up in like the everyday hustle and, and bustle of everything, but it doesn't have to be that way. You get to choose. And that's something that I've learned from you in particular is like leaning into ease and flow and whether you have a business or whether that's just your day-to-day life, like you can integrate that now. Like you don't have to move overseas and travel to do that you can and we recommend it and we'll talk about like some of the benefits in a moment because I feel like we've (laughs) we've talked about like this was bad and this is bad but um (laughs) but at the end of the day like it is life-changing in the best possible way yes yeah we can practice it in so many ways and it's just that mindfulness of being conscious of how you're operating every single day and that's the the premise of the transformation 
the mm-hmm. surrendering, the traveling is just a way to fully uproot in a, like, it's going to uproot you in all the senses that you have. Whereas sometimes mm-hmm. mindfulness or journaling or getting coached and like working at it from a thinking level doesn't hit all the sensations all at once. It's not yeah. as actively transforming you, but it's not any less effective. It's just a different experience. It's maybe the time in which you transform or have the realizations will be slower or whatever. But that I think that for me, I've always valued the experience of completely uprooting and placing myself in an environment that's going to fully immerse my sensations. Um, That really works for me. And also as a reflector, I'm very much like that. My environment matters so much to to my experience and sometimes the the ability to really connect to myself or connect to where I'm meant to be it's not as prominent in an environment that doesn't mirror that or have any kind of affirmations around that than if I were to go and there are people who practice what they that kind of lifestyle that I want or people who affirm and can speak into the things that matter to me so I do think that in in simplicity it's that state that quote of you are who you hang around and we are basically that we're vibing and and mirroring and and assimilating to wherever we're around. So if the, if you need that uprooting, then challenge yourself to do it. Maybe it's a full weekend on your own, or it's a full blown trip or just a day to be with yourself, to to connect with yourself again. But the, at the end of the day, it's going to look different for every person. Yeah, risk tolerance is different for everybody. Yeah. So just test yourself and, and go from there. But going back to what you said about the having a support network and like a welfare team when you came back, I feel like that's been one of the, I'll say like better things that's come out of it for me in particular, and I'm assuming for you as well. Like beforehand, you can feel like only you get bogged down with the friendships that you have, or they're not even friendships, they're just like people you hang out with because you hang out with them and even just like family relationships and things like that as well and just hobbies whatever you do with your time that was something that now I feel like I have less friends but I have better quality relationships and you really do find out like who the people are that really care or rely on you Uh, or not necessarily rely on you but you can rely on them when you're over there because Half my family, actually, I'm going to say three quarters of my family did not message me once while I was over there living through a pandemic. Like that, even that, like coming back in itself, I was like, I had so much resentment around. You don't even care. Like, why have I been operating in such a way to do everything for everyone? And now I'm like, I'm going to do me and then worry about you. The whole analogy of you. The parent puts their face mask on before they, they put their one on their for their kid but yeah. it was very much like that for my family whereas it was always like oh Taylor we need you to do this oh Taylor can you do this and it would always be like yes of course I can mm. and I very much felt like I was used so I had a lot of readjusting to do when I came back but now the people that I have in my life are there because they're the people that I want there and that I love spending time with and we just get each other in a way that other people don't and you just outgrow people mm. And that can be like scary in itself, but that's so important now because they're my ride or die. And even like you said about how you go and do yoga now, there's so many other things that has changed just hobby-wise now that I never would have done before. So I'd love to hear 
more about like your support network and what it looked like before compared to now. Yeah, I totally resonate with you on the feeling kind of resentment and feeling like nobody really cared because I think to us it's such a big process. It's such a big deal, but to them it's just <laughs> you're just going on a holiday, like cool. Yeah, and I'll it's see like you so, <laughs> a thousand percent. It's just what is going on? Why does nobody care? This is yeah. such a big thing. And I think I held that against people in my world, especially friends, because I thought it was personal. And look, it might be that people hold jealousy, envy, and that's a whole other topic. But at the end of the day, like it's everyone on their own journey and it's what you make of your journey. And that really affects how you project onto others. And if you think that, let's say your stories about people caring about your thing is that nobody really likes you as a person and that's why they don't care and you associate it to your worthiness and your lovability then of course it's going to really suck but Mm. I think like for me my what kind of flipped that switch was when I started to become aware that it was me on this journey that people weren't going to understand and even if they tried it's not going to be the same as meeting somebody at the on the path maybe Mm. Bali who's literally doing the same thing or on Instagram, who's reached out to me because res- they resonated with the stories I was sharing, it's never going to be the same. And I think one really major thing for me as well is that I had stories about how friendships were validated, whether they were validated mm-hmm. or not. And I had like hidden unseen criterias that were conditioned or learned maybe through movies or I don't know, like things that people say about friendships. And as an adult or figuring out adult friendships, I did a whole series on this on TikTok. It's you have to really detach from that. It's not about how long you've known someone or it's not about how many interests you have that that are exactly the same. It's There's so many different elements that can make a really great relationship. And I know that I had this story of how I needed to know someone for a certain period of time or hang out with them X amount of times in order to really feel like I could be myself. Mm. But coming back and really playing with what does surrender look like in this context of friendships and and forming new relationships? It was being, for me at least, it was being willing to see them as they could be like a best friend, like a good friend for me for the rest of my life, the moment we meet because everything just clicks. And that's exactly what's happened. It's that's Those are the kind of relationships I've come out with And I want to make a note to like my friend, Belle, who I had met through Instagram, who actually followed the entire journey and then decided she was going to do her own journey. Literally, she met me in Bali after just a week of deciding that she was finally going to do it. And it was that kind Mm. of alignment, that unplanned thing that had I become so attached to the construct of this is how friendships need to be. And this is how everyone needs to look. I wouldn't be able to experience the magic of surrendering in that realm and application in that realm of life as well. Mm, And you find so many like-minded people doing the same thing as you are while you're over there as well, which I think can then make it when you get back reflecting on your current friendships and go oh is this actually what I want? And being really conscious about that. I remember I had a friend over in London and we worked together. We were working for this real estate company and I was doing customer service. It was like the worst job ever. And 
her first day, I was like, we're going to go here. We're going to go to Pratt and we're going to get like a ham and cheese toastie. And I was obsessed. I was obsessed with them. And she was like talking to me about like she was she lived over there and she was talking to me about how's my journey been. And I was like, you know what? It's actually been really sad. I have no friends. I thought I would come over here and I'd have heaps of friends and meet so many people. And I've been like stuck in my house and I have no friends. And she was like, I'll be your friend. And from that moment, like this was the first day I met her. We were like besties. Like we were so close and we still chat now. Like we still, she's obviously still living over there and I'm here. But I know that if I was to go back over there, we would just hang out and it would be like normal and it would be like no years have passed. And even like coming back, like my friendships that I had, like they've evolved as well. I've got a friend, Zoe, she's living overseas. I mentioned her just before. And another thing that is quite interesting now that we're talking about how friends interact. So when she told everybody that she was going to do the same thing as me, everybody was like, oh, look, I'm so scared for you. Are you sure you want to do it? They were trying to like use all these like fear task tactics on her, try to not get her to go. And it comes back to them projecting their own insecurities. We all do it. I've completely opened myself up on this podcast and being like, this is my fault, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we do project our own insecurities and I was the only person who was like so I'm so excited for you this is gonna be amazing you're gonna have the best time and she couldn't understand why nobody else was like that and that was like a big thing that she didn't realize like she thought that everybody would be so supportive of her initially as well did you have anything like that in the beginning or was everybody like yeah go here I'm so excited I think that's me as a person I always tell my partner this I always think everyone's like me And I think it's part of the reflector, but it's also part of being human that we want to believe that the world mirrors us, like in terms of individuals, people mirror us always. And they think the way we think. And that's why we get frustrated and we try to control people when they're not. But I also think as a person in my human design, being a reflector, I have this really strong ability to reflect back to people who they are. But when I'm on my own and I'm like in my jam, I'm believing things about myself, I'm believing it's possible, I'm taking that into the world and going, everyone's going to see it the way I do because I want them to reflect me. But again, we're the 1%, we're like the one out of the hundred. So it's for me, it was really learning like, it's okay. I don't need to have a label. I don't need to be a certain thing. I can fully be one way one day, be a different way another day. And nobody is ever going to get it. And if they do, great, but it's okay that even if they don't, that's me being me and staying in my path. And like, I think detaching from those like labels and even labeling people, like yeah. they're my close friend, they're my best friend, but just seeing people as people and every moment, every interaction, whether a stranger or, or a longtime friend or a family member, they are all capable of giving you wisdom and of teaching you something in life that changes everything. Mm, and being open to it so often we close ourselves off because our ego like doesn't want to admit that maybe we don't know everything and that maybe somebody else's experience is just as valid as ours (laughs) exactly and connecting to like the whole welfare team I love this phrase that we're saying because I I just like just made it up and I was like it makes sense it's actually totally works (laughs) yeah it was I think it's that approach to life that makes everything an opportunity to work on you and to be connected and grounded in your mm. season of life when you have that lens and that for me was like it's like the undertone of life from that surrender experiment onward 
it was like learning to view everything as an opportunity to experience surrender, experience abundance and all the things that mattered to me. But also the decisions that I made, like joining a yoga class or seeing a healer or doing a human design reading, going on a one day or two day retreat or sabbatical. These are things that on the surface, they're actions that we throw them around. Really, if you do this, if you do mindfulness, then this will happen. On the surface, it looks like if you do this, that will happen formula, but it's actually supposed to just be the overflow. It's supposed to be the expression of you having realized that you're not connected to yourself and that you want to connect to yourself or realizing that you think too much with your head and you don't process enough with your body. It's like those realizations that have you then go, oh, I actually would love to practice less outcome oriented activities in my day, which is a realization that I had that led me to yoga because all of my physical activities and outlets are like very push, very masculine, very outcome and goal oriented. And basically 80% of my schedule, 85 was that. And I didn't have those outlets to just be, to be present, to become aware of my body, to stand back. And so I did things like meditation and I played with practices that at first I tried to do them like years ago. And you do the, you try to jump on the whole, like that girl stuff. But Mm -hmm. when it's not coming from that place of revelation and true connectedness and desire, it's just going to feel like stuff to do. Mm -hmm. And then that's what now realizing that I'm doing these things, I'm like, I'll laugh at myself. Like I'm that girl, but it (laughs) it literally, I love it though. I really do Mm -hmm. feel connected to it because it connects me to myself in all these ways that I couldn't through those other modalities that I was predominantly living in before. And also your idea of that girl is something that you've created yourself. It's not what other people's idea of that girl is. And that Mm. is half of it as well. Yeah. And I feel like having a welfare team actually really helps you when you get back, but also when you're over there as well, because there are a lot of highs that you feel like, oh, I wish I had somebody that I could share this with. And then there's a lot of lows that you're like, I really need somebody to support me right now, whether it's a person or like an activity. And going back to what you said about just having yoga, I love that for you because so often like everything in our world, even in like business especially, is very outcome orientated. And it can be easy to turn things like yoga into another one of them. Oh, I need to get better. My form needs to get better. And it's actually, you can just be like, we have enough things on our to-do list. We don't need to add more if anything, you need to simplify, (laughs) take some things away so that you can have that space. And that's, I know, been a big part in Mm -hmm. your transformation as well is having that space and giving yourself more space. I love that because it's, yeah, the activities are just there. Like yoga is a very mindful practice, but in essence, the core of what yoga teaches you is oneness and to be one with Mm. wherever you are, to be one with your body and your body goes with you everywhere. Your consciousness goes with you everywhere. So why not just wash your hands a little bit more mindfully and be one with the sensation of water on your hands. That can be such a healing thing because maybe you're so used to moving so fast and you're so disconnected from those simple sensations in your body. And so there are going to be practices that I think we will gravitate towards to develop that practice a little bit more in the beginning. But over time, it just becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a state of being. And that's the end goal when you're looking at 
presence and being and embodying more of that feminine quality that we, especially as women in business, but also women who are just passionate and driven and ambitious in general, we can so easily forget that we have these amazing gifts that being a human gives us like touch and taste and and emotion and we neglect them and I think that's maybe it's the whole it's a very masculine world out there it's very patriarchal world it's a very outcome oriented world but it's also what we believe and we didn't get taught to become conscious of the the duality of having that masculine and that feminine and I also heard this thing that I want to say this week where uh, people ask all the time, how do I connect to my intuition? Because I guess the premise of going on a surrender experiment is going to come from that deep intuitive call. But it's that connection to intuition is not something you force. You mm-hmm. heighten your connection to that intuitive prompting by observing your relationship with being and resting and doing nothing. Because it's in the resting and doing nothing and the surrendering in your everyday life and creating that spaciousness that you can activate more of your natural inherent it's like your instinctive it's instinctive primitive functions that have always existed but have been buried underneath the conditioning programming and structures of society and i believe that there was a point where humans all relied on their instinct and intuition because that's how we figured out our way in the world and that is equal and accessible to every single person but how we access that again in this day and age is literally we need to create space and then our intuition will heighten I remember when we were on the retreat and one of the big things that you know because it was like a business retreat but we ended up getting a lot more intuitive with ourselves and flow that's that's how I work (laughs) but one of the we knew that was going to be a part of it as well and it was like the best part but we all of us collectively were like oh like we can't come up with content ideas and we're trying to like force things and I remember there was one thing that you said which goes back to what you were just saying and that is are you actually inspired or are you just distracted and that sticks with me so often and I think about it all the time because so often we do things we scroll like we'll go back to the social media content ideas right like we scroll for hours trying to come up with content ideas and it's are you actually doing that to be inspired because true inspiration comes when you're not trying to force it there's a reason why great ideas come to you when you're in the shower when you're just standing there feeling the water on you or when you're in bed and you're like trying to count the sheep so you can go to sleep it's in those moments of stillness that's when you can actually really tap into intuition. And that's when your higher self, or if you're religious or whatever you believe in, that's when those messages will come to you. It's in the moments of stillness. And so the best thing that you can do is to actually give yourself more space so that you can be still and you can listen. Because otherwise, you're just adding more things to do and you're never actually going to be open to that. And I feel like that is essentially like what we've been talking about today is like the idea of surrendering and being open is to tap into that. Yeah. And if we were to like bring in the neurological component, like how the brain works, this is what I'm like, I'm working on when I'm building my flow-based business programs is understanding that your brain thinks differently. It operates differently when you are in that relaxed state. Yeah, And we talk about flow state and how that's peak performance. It's not hustling. It's not putting in more effort. It's learning how to lean back, relax, 
and then let your brain use not just the conscious knowledge, but the unconscious stuff that it knows to think and access patterns and, and, and new ideas that you couldn't have otherwise thought of through logical, mm. effortful thinking. And it's that lateral thinking that kind of connects idea to idea that goes, oh my God, that's an amazing thing. Because mm. you're not forcing it. You're not trying to problem solve it. So even in the flow state, like in the flow cycle, there's a uh, focus and then there has to be release, a complete release, a complete disengagement. And then there's flow and then there's recovery. So that cycle is happening over and over again. Every time we're doing something like we disengage, we get in the shower enter into flow because we're relaxed. The idea comes, we might write the idea down. We might be inspired for an hour or two. And then if we don't actually stop and recover, that's where we burn ourselves out. Cause we're like, we want to sustain that high. We want to keep doing the thing, but we put ourselves back into the, we put ourselves back into the focus, like the problem solving stage of the flow cycle, instead of letting the cycle finish. And that's what keeps us in hustle and scarcity. That's really interesting. That's super, super interesting. I always find if I'm exploring a new place or like experiencing something new for the first time like it might be I don't know you try a new hobby I just got fish recently and I'm constantly learning new things about them and whenever you're trying to do something new or experiencing something new I always find it's easier to tap into that flow state because Mm -hmm. you don't have all the conditionings you don't have the problem sometimes yeah there's going to be problems (laughs) that are going to arise that you're going to try and solve but there's things that you don't anticipate and so that's when the magic can really happen And I I always find it's, I'm sure you, everybody who's listening can relate to that, that when you come back from traveling, you always feel so inspired and you come up with so many ideas of you could do this, you could do that. Yeah. Even trying new things is so, it was like a byproduct that I didn't intend, but it was the byproduct of how I got back into things like rollerblading or became resistant to doing things on my own. And just trying new stuff. I think I released an episode about being a beginner again or letting Mm -hmm. yourself be vulnerable again. And I think that's such a helpful practice that we can all do to shake things up a little bit, to challenge our thinking the way that our brain does things. Because if you take the same road to work every single day and then you brush your teeth a certain way, you have the same breakfast, yes, it's efficient. But what it does is it dulls those creative like those creative instincts and those patterns that you could be piecing together because you're exposed to new roads and new mm-hmm. ideas and new people and all these things, like they don't get to happen because you're, you begin to blend with what yeah. your environment is. And that's like the fastest way to dull your intuitive capacities. Yeah, no, you're so right. We have been chatting for a very long time to finish us off. Is there any like advice or anything else you want to give before we wrap the episode up? Because I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who are either like travel lovers and want to, we've just inspired them to go and book a flight, or maybe they are a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more risk takers like us, and they want to actually like become a digital nomad and they want to travel and live and work overseas. So knowing like what we've done and knowing your journey Is there any other advice that you could give them? Maybe these people are a little bit scared to take the leap. So what would you say to those people? Yeah. So you guys have heard my story. You guys know that I've been in the thick of it. Tay has been in the thick of it. And we are the living, breathing examples that it is possible and that there is every good reason for you to do it. 
and we could list all the incredible things that have come from it. But the most inspiring thing I think is that you will have your own version of what this surrender experiment looks like. And it's going to affect you in ways that you never thought you could imagine. Like you never thought you could access or create. Mm. And I think that we lean away from uncertainty and unpredictability, but it's exactly why we need to lean into it because I don't think that we were made to just be all the same, to do things all the same. And if any part of you is inviting you to that space, use it as an invitation or a clue to uncovering, unearthing and unraveling that aspect of who you are. And you are truly at your own pace and you can do it in your own way. If your next right step is not to book a three months trip, but it's to go on a day trip by yourself this weekend, ask yourself, okay, so where am I going? Like literally guide yourself with your own answers. And that's the entire thing. It's really the surrender experiment is not about traveling. While we'd love to support you with traveling and maybe we will with experiences in the future. And it's something that like I feel very passionate and drawn towards. At the end of the day, the message is it's a relationship with yourself where you can guide yourself and you Mm. trust yourself to guide yourself. And that is the way that you create fulfillment in life. That is the way you create success in life. And the fact that it can't be replicated, that's the whole point. So I think if you're looking around, you're doing your research, you're trying to get the answers, you're trying to get that confirmation, look inward and trust whatever comes out. And if you can't hear that voice, create space for it. I don't think I could have said it any better myself. That was (laughs) perfect. That was perfect. That was so, so perfect. Thank you so much. I feel like this has been such a good chat. I will put all of your links and everything in the show notes, but is there anything that you want to promo? Yes, I definitely want to say, like I said, I am currently in the process of creating, as of the recording of this episode, creating an experience, an immersive experience where you get to be guided through your surrender experiment. And we're making it an intimate experience. So it's going to be capped to about six to eight people. And what I'm working on is essentially a retreat for those of you who want to do your own surrender experiment. At the moment, we're building a guide for those of you who are actually doing your surrender experiment sometime soon. Maybe you want to do it this weekend, or maybe you want to do it in just within the next six months. So for the meantime, before that retreat goes live, we're creating a resource for you guys to self-lead your surrender experiment. And hopefully in 2024, with an amazing team of women who get behind this vision, we can host an incredible surrender experiment experience for you. So there are, there is one place you can go right now. It's my free resources page where I've actually got resources where just like that one, where you can help self-lead in your self-surrender experiment. And then I've also got business related resources for those of you who want to access more flow, more of that surrender, but in your business and in your money, there's a whole category of free resources there and that's going to support you as well. So it's www.nicoleconception.co slash free dash resources. 
and you'll be able to navigate and find everything there, which Tay will link in yes. the description, but yeah, uh, you can find a whole bunch of stuff there. And I can testify that the retreat was amazing that I attended sign up and wait to find out more, but thank you so yeah. much.